put into play. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem.
Just wanna keep calling your name till you come back home. That's right, guys. I'm home. You missed me. I know you missed me. I've been gone for a long time, and this is Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. Who am I here with? Selena Hill. And she has a MacBook. No, not a MacBook Pro. (laughs) A MacBook No. I'm also Uh here with Jackie Cohen, and she can't wear shorts because she's a loser. So she's wearing yoga pants in 93 degree weather. She doesn't appreciate the summer. and we are back like we have never left before. The whole team minus Alyssa, who has decided that she wants to go enjoy her summer Sundays. So, guys, what up? What up? Hey, so welcome back, um, Stanley and Jackie. If you guys were tuning in last week, you know that it was the Alyssa and Selena show. And now we switch gears. Alyssa's not here, but Jackie and Stanley are here. Um, so welcome to the show, everybody. My name is Selena Hill. Of course, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard, where we talk social issues, politics, foreign policy, and we do that all from a millennial perspective. I'm very happy to be here. Happy Sunday to you all, and make sure you follow me at Miss Selena Hill. What's a millennial perspective? Stanley, stop it. Yeah, you what is a millennial you say perspective? It, From a millennial perspective, meaning the perspective of millennials. Does of Stanley like, even count as a millennial barely. at this point? I'm, I mean, barely. Giving you, barely. I'm giving you both a finger. <laughs> I, I can't say which finger it is because of FCC, but you're getting it. It's the and same by one the way, that Mr. Met gave that fan a couple weeks ago. Mr. Met was only saying we're number one. So is a millennial perspective the perspective of people who eat avocado toast and don't own property? Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe not hi jackie hi i'm jackie cohen i have not been on the show in a few weeks i've been away we were off for a week so it's nice to be back um and you can follow me on twitter and on instagram at jackie cohen that's j-a-q-i-c-o-h-e-n and i'm happy to be back and i sort of regret not wearing shorts today although it's kind of cool in here it was cold on his dreams it's, it's never cool in here it's never cool in here yeah. so i will take that no i put i'm gonna turn the fan off it's i am cold. no you will not because i appreciate this and i am stanley fritz <laughs> the most popular man on this show also the most good looking man on this show the only man on the show and that's why i'm number one <laughs> and you can be friends with me on twitter at stan fritz or on facebook at stanley fritz if you can add me before i reach my friend's capacity and also on instagram where i post things once in a while at stan fritz and on snapchat at dark skin swindle because selena could not stop me from being great on that personal profile and if you just want to call me give me a call at 212-650-6903 yeah and you guys um we have a great show of course you can let your voice be heard um by calling in the number stanley just said 212-650-6903 we're gonna start the show talking about james lordy comey who's that I have never heard of <laughs> The most popular man in the last week, um, we know that he gave an explosive testimony before the Senate Intelligence Committee, and he basically called Donald Trump a liar, amongst other things. He literally called him a liar. He literally. He lied, yeah. Literally, and basically gave a pretty good case on why the president has tried to obstruct justice. Now, will this lead to the impeachment of Donald Trump? Nope. <laughs> we, we don't know. Well, we'll talk about that a little later. And then later on in the show, we're going to have a very special guest calling in. And we're going to be talking about the controversy around this year's Puerto Rican Day Parade. Now, if you guys are, you know, if you're... If you are at the parade, you're probably not listening to us live because right. uh, the parade is going on as we speak right now. But there's so much controversy over the parade this year because Oscar Lopez Rivera was initially asked to uh, be honored 
And then he said, you know what, I'm not going to accept an honor. I'm just going to march in the parade as a humble Puerto Rican citizen. But still, that wasn't good enough. And a number of corporate sponsors pulled out. And there's been just a lot in the media, too. The media has been dragging this man through the mud. And we're going to talk about why and question, was Oscar Lopez Rivera a terrorist or a hero? And Only white people think he's a terrorist. Well... I there were, there were some I saw some conservative Puerto no, Ricans no, no, saying no. that as I'm well. I'm being salacious. A lot of people think he's a terrorist. But we'll <laughs> yeah. <talk about> that. <laughs> right. So then, and last but not least, Stanley is going to give us a quickie slash rant on the GOP's effort to replace Dodd Frank with a new bill. It's called the Financial Act. Financial Choice Act. Yes, the Financial exciting. Choice Act. <laughs> very very depressing. Yeah, Jackie right. says exciting. I say depressing. Right, 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 no. Exactly. So, guys, again, you can tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. We will take your tweets there. I We will also be taking comments on the live stream, the Facebook live stream. Right, Stanley? Maybe, maybe not. Okay, good. Yeah, so. Facebook live stream is struggling right now. Our, it's it's um, struggling. Our AOL 2.5 connection might have expired. <laughs> we got to reset that. <laughs> All right, guys. But nonetheless, this is where we want you to let your voice be heard. We're going to go on a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to start this show talking about James Lode Comey. <laughs> <laughs> we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHC, or the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, yes, I missed you too. I've been gone for a while, but before I begin this segment, I need to say, Miss Deborah, if you're listening, we miss you. If you guys are wondering who Miss Deborah is, she is one of our favorite callers, one of our favorite listeners. We haven't heard from her in ages, so I thought it was important that I shouted her out. Speaking of shouting her out, out. I think it's also important to when you say something, be able to back it up because you don't want to go talking junk and then not being able to deal with the spice when the spice comes because my friends, the spice always comes. Speaking of spiciness and people who don't know how to handle that spice, let me tell you about my friend named Donald Bartholomew Orangeface Trump. Bartholomew. I just made it up. It sounded really white. I figured it works for him. <laughs> Dirty Donald was talking spicy about former FBI director James Comey right after he fired him. He said that Dirty James Comey was pissing off everyone in the FBI. He said that James Comey was making it very difficult for him to push his agenda forward. He said James Comey was a liar. He said that James Comey was a nut job. He said that James Comey had lied to him and told him that he wasn't under investigation. And he did all these things right after firing James Comey and coming up with three different stories about why he did it. First one was, well, he was fired because of the way he handled the Hillary Clinton case. That wasn't true. Then the next one was, it was a recommendation from his attorney general. And then, of course, when Donald Trump went on live television during the interview and said that he fired him because of the Russia investigation, James Comey was sitting at home in his basketball shorts and a wife beater, <laughs> all six for eight of him, eating cup noodles, trying to hang out with his kids. His kids was like, chill, dad, you washed. We don't want to talk to you no more. You're unemployed. Get a job. You're lame. And... He said, I'm going to watch some TV. And he put the TV on, and he put it on MSNBC. And he said, this is boring. So he put it on Fox. And on Fox, <laughs> after they finished their, their Audi clan prayers, Tucker Carlson came on. And he said, hey, Donald Trump's the man. James Comey is a zero, a loser. 
He's not even white anymore. He's <laughs> pale, and we don't like that anymore. And James Comey got mad, so we said, you know what? I'm going to start leaking out information about what Donald Trump did. So James Comey tapped his man who goes to Columbia, excuse me, who works at Columbia University as a professor. Columbia University in Harlem, by the way. The same mm-hmm. university that bought up like 40 blocks of Broadway Avenue, <laughs> and which is why we can't have affordable housing in New York City anymore. That school, and said, yo. Pass these letters to your friends. And in these letters, we saw that Donald Trump had tried to get James Comey to dead the investigation into Michael Flynn. That Donald Trump had tried to ask James Comey to be loyal to him. Be loyal to me. Don't snitch on me. Don't get me in trouble. Donald Trump kept sending James Comey 2 a.m. What you doing text messages. (laughs) Donald Trump kept sending James Comey I miss you text messages, commenting on all his Instagram pictures, always retweeting his Giving tweets. Giving the deep like. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the deep likes. Like, one day James Comey woke up and Donald Trump had liked the bikini picture from four weeks ago. <laughs> it was weird. Selena looks confused. You don't get that kind of attention on Instagram, Selena. That's I don't. That's why you don't know. I don't. But anyways, so all of a sudden everyone's excited. And because of all the spiciness, they decided to get an independent investigator to find out what exactly is happening in Russia. And on top of all of that, James Comey said, you know what? I'm tired of the nonsense. I am going to go for a public hearing and we are going to have a conversation about what went down while I was FBI director under Donald Trump. And let me tell you, the whole world was excited about this entire ordeal because on Thursday, Comey Day, every single person was in front of a TV or streaming secretly in their offices or watching on Twitter as James Comey spilled all of the tea. And what do we find out with James Comey spilled the tea? Well, Jeff Sessions may have other things in his record that might make us not comfortable with him as attorney general in relation to Russia. Donald Trump is a liar. What a surprise. Donald Trump told, alluded to him that he should fire Michael Flynn. What a surprise. Mike Pence knew that Michael Flynn had this Turkish money. What a surprise. Donald Trump is under investigation for obstruction of justice. What a surprise. The P-tape might be real. Please, (laughs) white Jesus, please let that P-tape be real. And as I was sitting in my office, trying not to tweet so my executive director would not know that I was watching this investigation, I said to myself, I can't wait to come to the studio on Sunday and talk about the spiciness. So here we are. If you missed it because you care about things like having fun and enjoying life and you did not watch this investigation, we are here, just pardon me, this public hearing, we are here to unpack everything for you. Why I was great, why I wasn't great, what Comey said, what he didn't say, how Trump responded, and what's going to happen next. And just to start this off, I want to see how, if everyone watched it in the studio, and what their thoughts were. Let's start with Jackie, because as we know, Selena was somewhere traveling to Antarctica. Yes, I definitely watched and listened while I was at work um, with headphones in. And I mean, it was, like Stanley said, there was a lot there that was, I guess, shocking, except for we expected this all along. Um, But it was certainly interesting to see James Comey um, get, I mean, it was interesting, I think, two things. One, to see how just upfront he was and how willing he was to call the president a liar. And I think that's been a lot of the reaction we've seen after the fact is that, um, you know, this is the most condemning sort of on the record um, talk about a sitting president that we've seen ever or in a very long time. Um, and two, how divided the Senate intelligence committee was right um you could clearly see the line of questioning between republicans and democrats and sort of how they approached it and it's interesting to me to see comey go as this figure that was reviled by democrats into somebody that they certainly have more respect for now and republicans are looking at him in the same way absolutely i mean i think that it was definitely well worthwhile i know a lot of people 
were like, I'm going to DC. I want to just and and just and even like people in New York City were like just drinking and watching the Comey Day trial. There um, were bars in yeah in Washington. I think there was a bar in Washington that said that they would do a free round of drinks every time Trump tweeted during the investigation, and he didn't tweet right. at all. Some I think. I think somebody took his phone away, but like he's he tweeted the next day and he's actually been tweeting this morning uh, saying that everything that James Comey said was uh, possibly illegal. Very cowardly. Mm-hmm. He's called James Comey a leaker. Um, it, it, it's funny because what James Comey did by uh, leaking the, the memo, right? He leaked the memos um, a day before he went to the trial was perfectly legal. And I think that, look, right, from my perspective, system. I'm not a lawyer and the list is not here, but from, you know, what I've heard, um, it, it was nothing, it was nothing wrong with what was happening and what he, I mean, what he did. And I just think that the trial itself showed James Comey to be very authentic. Um, it also showed Jamie came to be very senile. <laughs> and that's something well, else that's that we should talk about. Well, we're going to get to all those things. But first, oh. Lena, where did you watch the hearing? I was at work, Stanley, and I definitely listened and peeked in at some different times uh, at work with headphones. So, Jackie, was this like a big thing in an Iperg office? Was everyone going I actually to wasn't screens? in our main office, so oh. I was in Brooklyn during the day. But I think this was a big thing everywhere. I mean, I think if you were an American citizen, you were more than likely interested. I mean, the fact that Comey Day was trending on Twitter. Yeah, definitely. Lot. It was like number one. I, I know a ton of people who, if they didn't watch the whole thing, watched parts of it later on in the day or followed the stream on Twitter. Like, people were really interested to see. I mean, this is a big deal, right? It definitely was a big deal. And if you guys want to call in with your questions or comments, our number is 212 Again, that is 212-650-6903. Podcasting peeps, if you're hearing this later on, you can always send us a tweet at beheard underscore radio. We'll get back to you. And of course, if you're on Facebook Live like Shammy Williams, shout out to Shammy, you can leave a comment and we will get to it as soon as possible. I want to switch gears just a little bit because we do have a caller on the line and we have a Kenroy Charrington who wants to let his voice be heard. So Kenroy, let your voice be heard. Hey guys, with Comey, in the past he's been feckless, incompetent, but this time he got it right. Now, the question is with Trump is this. Um, if Mueller, the special prosecutor, finds, I mean, Mueller, will, uh, who's also a former FBI uh, director, if Mueller says yes, um, Trump obstructed, now, it, according to the constitutional lawyers, um, high crimes and the misdemeanors are vague. So the Republicans, who are the majority, majority in the Senate and in the House, they have to decide whether one, two options, whether they're going to ignore, they're going to say, well, uh, no, we're not going to impeach Trump, or two, um, uh, they will impeach. So the Republicans, even if Trump is, uh, even if the Mueller um, finds, um, does his investigation and conclude that Trump did instruct, obstruct justice by not making Comey finish, even though Trump is president and the FBI, he is, he's the boss, Still, there are certain things as president you can't do, even though you're the boss of um, the FBI. Thank you very much for that, Ken Roy. So, um, yeah. just for clarity, real quick, I'm sorry, Jackie. Oh, no, go. Um, George Mueller is the independent investigator. Pardon me. Robert Mueller is an independent investigator who is investigating this entire Russia ordeal and now apparently looking into see if Donald Trump committed obstruction of justice. So, that's who Ken Roy was talking about. Go ahead, Jackie. Well, it makes me, I just want to bring it back to what Selena was saying before, where Selena mentioned that, you know, watching this investigation, you felt 
that you could really trust yes, James Comey. Absolutely. That you felt, but I don't I you know, I think that as a progressive person you feel that way. I think there's yes, a lot of people on the right true. that felt quite the opposite. They felt, no, he's lying, this is like conspiracy, he's, you know, full of it, there's nobody to be trusted. And I think I mean that's I guess I'll ask that question. Like, do we think that the right was influenced by this at all or are they digging in even harder and saying and this just plays into the c- sort of conspiracy theory that's that's brewing. So first off, shout out to Anna Sampson who just joined Facebook Live. Thank you for listening. I want to throw Selena now, but want to make sure we said hi to our, our fans on Facebook Live. Go ahead. Absolutely, yeah. No, so the reports that I heard, it just further um, affirmed what the right already thought about James Comey. Um, they think he's a complete hypocrite. He's a liar. He can't be trusted. He has a history of lying, even though him and the Trump people were all in full support when he decided to leak, um, well, we decided to talk about saying that the FBI was still investigating Hillary Clinton just days before the election. So, like, no, I don't think it changed their perspective at all. And I think that it just goes, that just speaks to how polarizing, um, this this White House is and anything in revolving around it, including chaos, because I do not think that this investigation is partisan in any way. I think that we should just be examining the facts. But I think that because it's Donald Trump and because we live in a world where everything is politicized and it's either you're on the right or you're on the left, you're for him or you're against him. I think that that's standing in the way of people making rational rational judgment calls about who this president is and some of the lines that he crossed. I want to push back just a little bit because I think that you're not calling the media out enough and in particular Fox News which has pretty much turned into a propaganda outlet. You literally have propaganda outlets on TV every <laughs> single day lying to people. That's why they can't believe anything that Comey is saying. Mm-hmm. When you have Fox News saying that Donald Trump is completely innocent and putting out all these conspiracy theories about DNC staffers getting murdered by Hillary Clinton, how could they possibly how could they possibly believe anything? So we really have to put a lot of onus on the media as well, Selena. I don't know because there's some fake news on the left as well, and oh, as right. no, and and you know, as I, I spoke to uh, you guys about this offline, that I heard, you know, NPR did a great report about how even though fake news on the left isn't as popular, it's still there, it still exists, and it's still exploiting and exaggerate exaggerating RussiaGate. But I still think that us on the left. We're able to, I think, like re- like really just focus in on what is truth and what is fact and what is propaganda. So, but I'll put it like this. The left also doesn't have a major platform that is spewing all of this propaganda and fake news. The right does. It's called Fox News. I would just be careful of drawing that. Like, it, it's a false equivalency, right? And think we so. talked about that. I, I do think so. I mean, we were talking off air about uh, false, fake news on the left, right? But what we were talking about was a real news story that happened a few right. years ago that people thought happened currently and we're sharing. Yeah, and right? also most of the fake news comes from Bernie bros. Yeah. <laughs> but we're, but they're, like, so I would be careful to say, oh, well, the left does it too. You know, they do the same thing. I mean, Fox News, what Fox News is doing is ignoring fact blatantly and putting out a completely false narrative. And working in partnership with the Republican Party to do it. And the it. president. I mean, the president, this is what he's watching. It's like a complete negative feedback loop. And I think that, you know, it's we should be fearful. And I, it's like, what is I, I don't know. I watched this hearing with such a level of frustration because it was like so absurd. The <laughs> things that he we were were being revealed to us. But at the end of the day, does it matter? I don't know. Right. If the people that need to hear this aren't even listening, then what good is it? That's a good question. So, guys, we do have to go on a break. When we come back, we'll talk about that. If the people who need to hear this aren't listening. Will Donald Trump stay president and destroy the world? Mask off, we'll find out. Yeah. 
Selena is mad because she can't be like me. Mm, bars. Horrible. We go back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 <laughs> FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. Let me tell you about my Friday night, beloveds. So I was hanging out with two friends in Central Harlem at their house because I was showing them how to start a podcast. Really? Yes. It was pretty interesting. It's They're going to be called the Petty Betties. I'm excited the for them. The Petty Betties? Yes. I love it. I am it. excited. Shout out, to, shout out to the Petty Betties, Tiana and Jelani. She used to work for People Magazine. Um, I think she's where I forgot where she works now, but she's not a people anymore. But they're going to do this podcast. It's going <laughs> to be lit. Family. Right, right. <laughs> well, hey, listen, this is what happens when you ask an alcoholic to give you descriptions about shows. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. Yes. Basically. So, but like, we're doing this podcast. And then she has the most adorable son in the world, and he pops into the room, Tiana, that is. And she's like, yeah, so, you know, I was dating this guy. And her son goes, Mommy, where is he? Oh, aw. <laughs> this is sad. So like, no, no, no. Like, she thought she was looking for me. Oh. <laughs> so then we're doing a podcast, and he comes and, like, punches me in the stomach. Stop. <gasps> he thought you were dating his mother. No, he just wanted to fight. Oh. Because we, we were play fighting earlier, and he punched me in the stomach. This is a really great story. Sam. Yeah, like, no. very confusing. Yeah, yeah, great I, story. I was just trying to find a way to plug the Petty Bettys. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I mean, <laughs> all you have to do is say that name. That, yeah, I, that, you that had was me it. at Petty Betty's. Petty Betty Podcast. We can't wait. So, guys, we are back. And if you are just tuning in, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard with Stanley Fritz, Jackie Cohen, and Alyssa Fuchs is here in spirit, but probably turning up somewhere at the Pride Parade. She's probably listening. Pride Parade is in two weeks. Wait, and she today's well, so a Puerto Rican right. Day Parade, yeah. kid, and you didn't even shout me out. He's, I'm here with Alyssa, Jackie. I, a, am I not Selena. here? No, I you did it. I did. No, you did. I probably didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, sh- we can replay the tape later. Uh, Stanley, you need to lay off I the Hennessy before tape. the show. It wasn't even Hennessy. I smoked some spiked hookah yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> spiked with what? Uh, more hookah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I didn't even know you well, could do that. Well, yes. But anyways, guys, let's get back to the topic. I'm here with Selena Hill and Jackie Cohen, and we are talking about the James Comey hearing when James Comey got spicy on national TV about Donald Trump. And we have a question or a comment coming from someone on Facebook Live. Yes, we do. We have Anna Sampson. She has left a comment on our Facebook Live, and it says, the real question is why have we polarized in such a way that a middle is impossible? It feels like we are ready to give up on American values, question mark. And so basically what Anna is speaking to, I think the comment that I made or that we were talking about uh, before we went to break about how this country is so polarized to the point that when we have a former FBI director who very clearly and concisely is saying, you know, I recorded conversations I had with the president because they made me feel I'm very uncomfortable and we're on the fringe of the line of uh, of obstruction of justice Uh, you know people on the right are still defending this president and saying James Comey is a liar and let's look at his history it's almost like how people slut shame rape victims and they're like look at their backstory that was something that I heard um, or I read an article that basically compared the line of questioning that some senators had including Dianne Feinstein that some senators had for James Comey as as right like why didn't you fight back why didn't you leave why did you wear that blazer yeah (laughs) I mean like you know like we've seen this kind of questioning before and it, it definitely made me feel uncomfortable. Like, why didn't he leave or why didn't he fight back? Because he's dealing with the president of the United States. Why didn't you tell his boyfriend? And, <laughs> and he, and then I think Comey gave a very reasonable response. He was like, Respect I was so stunned that, you know, at that moment, I didn't think to say, how dare you, President Trump? You shouldn't be asking those questions. I mean, who else wouldn't be shocked if the president is acting like the mafia, the leader of the mafia? Well, Selena, what would you have done? 
the same things Comey did. If I wanted my job and I saw the president, first of all, if you are in a point where, if you are in a situation where a superior is speaking to you in a way that you know is very inappropriate, mm-hmm. I would I would write it down too and I would consult with yep. mentors and other people about the best way to handle the situation. Lena, I've known you for about 10 years. I'm going to challenge you right now. So Jackie, we're going to do some role playing. You'll be Donald Trump and I'll be Selena Comey. Tell me I should get rid of the investigation. Go ahead. Selena, I hope you can oh. forget. Forget what? Forget he's a good guy. Oh. You know, this Flynn, he's a good guy. Oh, my Selena. God. He no, is. I mean, I think, I think Selena brings up a great point. All jokes aside, I think that ask any woman how they, you know, like most women have, have been in a position where, you know, they felt uncomfortable or there was inappropriate behavior. I mean, like, you know, the sort of the Senate hearing that I think of is watching um, Anita Hills, right? And like the line of questioning that she received, like, why didn't she leave? Why did she stay working for Clarence Thomas? I mean, it was very similar in a way, right? And like, the answer is because you're dealing with someone who's very powerful, there can be really severe um, repercussions for your actions. They can retaliate against you. And I mean, I think that if I was Comey, I don't know what I would do, but I think that he was in a position of, I don't want to get fired. I want to continue this investigation. I need to figure out what's going on here. There's some clear wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to just leave and I'm not going to put myself in a position that's potentially dangerous for me. I'm going to like keep my head down and try to like figure out what's going on here and investigate. I guess so. So guys, if you're listening right now, you want to call in with a question or a comment, you can. Our number is 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. If you're on Facebook Live, leave us a comment like Anna did. If you're on Twitter, hit us up on BeHeard underscore radio. If this is the podcast, you can always leave comments on our Twitter account to respond or even on the SoundCloud account what the actual show is and we'll get back to you as soon as possible selena yeah so stanley you said that you were trying to not tweet as much during the live um testimony of james comey but you were tweeting um i wanted to know (laughs) no you had some pretty good tweets so what was your initial reaction and where do you think this is going to lead so the, it was delicious, and I was tweeting, even though I told myself I wouldn't, and my executive director was Can't retweeting me, yeah. <laughs> and then she called All me right. afterwards, and I was like, uh, I was doing work, lots of work, not watching the airing. It was delicious. <laughs> it, it really. So there were a couple of gems that came out that I don't think people really paid attention to, but James Comey is really smart, because what he did was pretty much lay a trap for Donald Trump's lawyer to attack him as a liar, and potentially try and sue him, and put this all out in the open. That's one. Two, he pretty much threw Mike Pence under the bus. So to show that Mike Pence knew about it. Now, will anyone push up on that? Probably not, because I think most people will regard Mike Pence as a better option than Donald Trump, even though they're both creeps who have very strange relationships with women. Three, mm, good. he pretty much said, without saying, but mostly saying, that Donald Trump is under investigation for obstruction of justice. And then four, he kept the receipts. Because even though the FBI has a problematic history, at least in this case, you know, they were, it seems like they were doing what they were supposed to do. But there was one bombshell for me, and I can feel the Bernie bros, like, juices, cl- like, squirming right now. Ew. Yeah, it should be an ill. When he talked about the reason why he had the whole public affair with the Hillary Clinton oh, yeah. information, when he said that Loretta Lynch, the former um, attorney general, told him to, cons- to call it a matter instead of an investigation, and then when Bill Clinton met Loretta Lynch on a turmac, and then when... The, the stuff that Loretta Lynch, Lynch was telling him to say about the investigation was the same messaging coming from the Hillary campaign. I was like, oh, well, you know what? I get it. I don't know why he came back out again later on 
with the oh well you know we're, we're investigating it again but i totally get why he made the moves that he did if that information is accurate selena and i think that him testifying to that just further legitimizes why he's nonpartisan. he does his job and he does it well whether that means incriminating someone on the left or the right so i mean like him talking saying that about the hillary clinton uh quote-unquote scandal how do you know if you're on the right how do you still look at this man as someone who's being partisan yeah i don't get that so like here's a question i want to ask for you guys because we clearly really care about this kind of stuff because we're into it selena works for a news publication jackie and i are in social justice work why should people on facebook live why should people listening on the podcast why should miss deborah somewhere in harlem hopefully having a great day why should they care about this why does this matter i mean i think it because it affects all of us. I think we're talking about like the threat to democracy, right? And we're talking about like, I mean, at the end of the day, we talked, we heard a lot about like threat to the way we run our elections, which should concern everybody. And I mean, there's an internal and external threat clearly, right? Like there are internal threats to the way we run our elections as well. Certainly every time we see a voter ID law put in place or district gerrymandered beyond belief, like that is additionally a threat to democracy. But those are things that we need to take seriously. And I mean, like Donald Trump is the president of the United States. Like I sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm like getting ready and thinking like things are normal. And then I remember that fact. And like that is not a normal that's not normal. And he is like out of his mind. He has no idea what he's doing. And he's a liar. And like he's gaslighting the entire nation. Right. By saying that like James Comey's a liar. James Comey's a nut job and whatever else he called them. And so I think that like we, there's a real threat to our country here. Starting from the top, What's and we the need to be someone in Harlem, Selena. Oh no, I, I I just wanted to chime in and say you know Jackie makes some great points about how um, Donald Trump doesn't know what he's doing, but I think that people on the right actually like that and they're using that as a selling point. Like even Chris Christie said that what Donald Trump was doing when he had when he was telling. Um, told me to be loyal and acting like a mafia leader he was just having an i quote normal new york city conversation that's not new york <laughs> conversation my guy but like let's that's fine no like, but i, I want to know that's how the right is defending it they're I saying i know I, but i but, literally want to know but, like Selena, here's, here's, what's our response to that stanley, what stanley was asking though like the everyday person in your everyday life like Thank how you. does this affect you right yeah, so who cares what the right says at this moment i mean i think that we're increasingly living in a world where facts don't matter science is garbage like things you know like anybody can say anything and that can be the truth and that's scary right i don't want to live in a world where like somebody makes up some bs and they maintain that that's the truth like the truth needs to be the truth right science is important facts matters like you can't just like make up whatever you want and have people believe you i mean that's like chaos you know why people of color should be particularly nervous about this kind of like blurring the lines of truth and not truth because people of color are usually the victims of the, those unclear truths of like, well, like, I didn't see this because black and brown people, when they're shot and killed by police, we always have these very, like, blurry explanations right. of why it happened. When you're arrested and put in jail, we have these blurry defenses, and they get stuck with it. So now you're empowering people who are, A, racist, B, stupid, <laughs> and C, telling lies. You know who's going to suffer? Miss Deborah in Harlem, Jason Mo, 125th and Lex, Samantha on 118th Street in Linden in Queens. That's who. Right. right. No, and I absolutely agree with you guys. I was just just to add to that conversation. Um, but I, I still don't think people will care, I, especially those 
who will be mo- the most disenfranchised under the Trump administration, which also happens to be working class white. You folks. don't think people care mm-hmm. about like the lo- like what's happening here? In this no, I don't think they're going to care unless it hits their pockets. Because again, if you su- if you are listening to what's happening to the right, they are using this as a benefit. They are literally saying, you know what? He's not a politician. He talks to other people the way he talks to everybody else. This is who he is, and there yes, there's a learning curve. But again, this is who you elected. That's what I'm saying. I will say even Paul Ryan defended Trump by saying by saying, well, you know, he's new to this. He's not a career politician. So he doesn't like regardless of the fact that he has equipped himself with like a whole team of like legal experts and, you know, like other like he he has enough input in his administration to tell him what's right and from what's wrong. So that's not an excuse. But I mean, I do think you're right. I think that a lot of people on the right are viewing this as, you know, it doesn't matter what Comey says. He's a liar. He's the one lying. You know, Trump came out and said he's he lied. Right. Like he basically said he lied under oath. And so if you're if that's the media that you're consuming and that's the narrative you're hearing, you're not necessarily going to seek out an alternative narrative and get the whole story. Right. You're going to like maintain viewership and listenership to those broadcasters that are telling you this thing. That's a good point, Jackie. So, guys, once again, the number is 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. You can always also tweet us at BeHerd underscore radio. If you're on Facebook Live, feel free to leave us a comment, and we will get to it as soon as possible. If you're listening via the podcast, leave a comment on SoundCloud or tweet us, and we will always retweet and like, and we will share. I want to shift gears because we are running out of time. We've had this hearing. Cuomo said a lot of things. Cuomo. 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 I called Cuomo. him Cuomo the other day because I'm like, there's too many. Yeah. And and John McCain called him President Trump. Oh, so we yeah. all get Comey's name wrong. Well, I, re- I encourage everybody, if you didn't watch the hearing, to at least watch John McCain's line of questioning, which was problematic, to say the least. In John McCain's defense, he popped a molly right before that started. <laughs> so... Comey, I was going to say Cuomo again. Yeah. Comey. James Comey. <laughs> James Comey dropped a lot of dimes on Donald Trump. But it seems like Republicans aren't going to do anything. What would it take for them to actually impeach him? I mean, I don't think that it matters until nothing that Trump does matters until Republicans in Congress feel that their seats are up for but somebody they, else. They are, though. Like The people are like... And look what well, happened. But that's the thing. I mean, we are we're starting to see it. But until they start seeing their seats at risk, they're not going to do anything, right? Because the thing that they care the most about is staying in power. I don't think they care about what Trump's doing, and they don't, you know, as long as they stay in power, they're not going to act, right? And so, I mean, we could talk more about the importance of elections and getting in and voting, but I think that that's what it is. At the end of the day, they will stay silent or they'll justify his behavior and say, oh, it's just because he doesn't know any better. You know, give him a chance. He's new to <laughs> politics. Poor baby, blah, blah, blah. I don't think they're going to do anything until their seats are at risk. Selena? Yeah, I, I think that they are petrified. I think that they lack backbone. I think that Paul Ryan knows deep down inside how idiotic Donald Trump is and how he is probably going to run a lot of the country into the ground. But I, like Jackie said, they don't care unless it directly affects their seats and the way they make money. So that's the reason why we all need to care. And the point that I was making is that people on the right aren't going to care until their pockets are affected. And people of color, if people of color do not care, 
it's probably because we've been discriminated against for so many decades that it's just like we've learned how to live in resilience and resistance in a lot of different ways and aspects. But it's, it's I don't know, it's like we're having these conversations, like you said, Stanley, we care so much, but it's like, what can we do because we don't want to feel powerless? Yeah, but well, we are technically at the moment. No, well, until 2018 when we can vote. Until 2018. <laughs> so, guys, we do have to wrap up this conversation. I'm just going to give it to you straight, no chaser. James Comey, the, the former FBI director, came into a joint session, pardon me, a, a, a public hearing, and called the president of the United States a liar. Go, go to your history books. Tell me the last time that actually happened. He called him a liar. He, he, he alluded that the president is under investigation for obstruction of justice. Go to your history books and tell me the last time that happened and what was the result of it. He pretty much said that the president of the United States and his people may have been working with a foreign nation, our enemy foreign nation, to win an election. And there's always a suspicion that they could be providing information to that enemy, which is also a foreign nation to us. That's a huge thing. That is very big, and it's something we should be very vigilant and care and like be focused on caring about. But also for people like myself. Selena and Jackie and Alyssa, who, if she was here, she'd be raving with us too. We can't forget that while this is happening, most people aren't focusing on that because they're still trying to find a way to pay their bills. They're still trying to find a way to find affordable housing. They're still trying to find a way to survive. So what we have to do is show the connection because as long as there are people in power like Donald Trump and Paul Ryan who are empowered by these outside forces, the struggle to just make it as an everyday American will always be more intense because that is the only goal to push you down under while they keep on getting money and if it takes negotiating or working with someone who wants the destruction of our country to be realized they will do it so that's why you should care and that's what's happening and until we do something to address that that's what we're going to be facing so with that being said guys we do have to go on a quick break when we come back it'll be the news roundup we'll be talking about amber rose's bush and hillary clinton But now we are shifting gears because it's no more time for dirty Trump talk. It is the news roundup time where we talk about things that made us laugh, cry, argue about pubic hair, or even oh want to dance. And it started off because I love arguing about pubic hair. We want to talk about Amber Rose. Yes. As you guys may know, Amber Rose, former stripper, former, I guess, like, she's... I don't want to. I don't want to like talk about her based on her relationships. Former stripper and late night show host on VH1. Is that show still come on? I doubt it. I don't know. It probably got canceled. But anyways, she had a show on VH1. She posted a nude photo on Instagram for the slut walk, in which she had a very nicely shaved bush in her general area, and Instagram reacted by closing her account, and the internet went insane. Why? Because some people are not supporters of Bush, and I'm not talking about the presidents. Well, uh, just to just to clarify, so she sh she shaved some of her pubic hair, but not all of it. Um, guys, if you want to chime in on Amber Rose's pubic hair, call oh us gosh. up right now. The number is two. The number is two one two. Six five zero Bush nine zero three. No two one two six five zero six nine zero three. No, honestly, I applaud Amber Rose so much. And for all of the guys who are shaming her, uh, her hair shaming her. 
I mean, to me, it just baffles me. And like Stanley, as a man and as someone who identifies as a feminist, I would love for you to speak to this because to me, this picture empowers me. Well, I still, I like honestly, I love it. I absolutely love it. When I watch my it. adult television, Luna Star does not have a bush. Okay, just kidding. Who cares if she has a bush? There, so there are guys complaining. There's two complaints right now. One. Why is she posting naked pictures to talk about the slut walk? They don't understand that. We'll get to that. But let's talk about the spicy thing. Two, she's nasty because she has a bush. And a lot of guys are saying on social media, if a woman has a bush, I'm definitely not dating her or sleeping with her. So I would just want to Amber Rose is probably like good. Like bye. Yeah, <laughs> like, like trust me, you, you had no chance with Amber. You don't have a chance with Yesenia on 125th Street and, and Madison Avenue. You, you're not, you, you don't get women's interest and you probably watch a lot of porn which is why you have these unrealistic ideas of what a woman's body is supposed to look like no one looks like a shaved carrot <laughs> it's not real like st- turn off the porno just like let women live like don't like we don't need your constant opinions about how we look or dress or groom ourselves so just like butt out and like it's it's cute to me that like you see this the all bush? the time like you it's cute to see these guys like get so mad about it and then it's like like as if there DMs. was a chance right like as if like there would be you know as if would, they have any say in the matter anyway. i'll never have sex with her now because Ooh, right, amber rose got in totally. her vagina area, she got a dark season with a half moon part, and now you're oh offended. Okay. I just don't see what's wrong with it. Amber Rose's beard game is strong right now. Her below beard game. I just want to say, back in the seventies and back in the seventies in particular, you know, having pubic hair was popular. I think it's just in recent decades and years where women, um, because of these unrealistic standards of beauty that we have to appeal to, were forced to shave everything. Like I just had a friend tell me that she's getting all the hair on her body removed: arms, legs, knees, Ow. pubic hair, and eyebrows. No, she's she's keeping her eyebrows, but I'm just like, and she was like, Selena, do you want to get some, do you want to try laser hair removal for your underarms with me? I'm like, no. (laughs) But also, (laughs) if that's what you want to do, that's great. Like, it's your body, your choice. You're allowed to make decisions about, like, personal care that make you happy. Yeah, I'm not shaming them. Right. But I'm just trying to say, like, this, I'm just trying to understand let people understand the context behind why women even feel like they have to do this to a certain degree. For the first time ever in social media history, Facebook was actually up to date on the trend and didn't find out about it three days later. So there was an argument yesterday on Facebook uh, about this thing and one woman said, you're going to get whatever comes out of these panties. (laughs) And and I support that. We also have a comment from Anna Samson that I want to make sure I read too. Want me to um, get that? Yes, get that for us. And while someone is getting that, I would just keep on talking junk. But seriously, one of the things that we need to realize is not talking about the bushing anymore, about the slut walk. The slut walk is about just stop shaming women. Right. I mean, like, women get told how they should dress and appear, and it's like, and there's no right answer, right? Because if you dress, like, too frumpy, then, like, you're not dressing sexy and you're not attracting men. But then if you dress with, you know, like, low-cut dresses or tight clothes then you're you look like a slut right like there's no right answer because everything that you do any way that you act is going to get you negative feedback so you might as well just do whatever you want because anything you do is wrong i've seen women get shamed for working out at the gym the other day i was in the gym as you guys know i go to the gym and watch other people work out because i'm lazy and there was a woman who was doing push-ups and some guy was like oh i bet you 
your your thing is cold because you don't know how to be a woman. <laughs> what does that mean? Listen, I've been to the gym more than once when some dude came over and felt the need to explain to me how the machine works or how I should actually be doing it. And it's like, leave me alone. Why like, you thinking, I don't woman? need to. Oh, thank you so much for coming and saying, you know, he's like, oh, you should be like working your underarms because women like need to like. I don't need, like, I did not ask. I did it. And so, like, I think a lot of women feel uncomfortable in these, like, male spaces because they they get feedback that they never asked for. It's and, called and, creepy feedback. Yeah, right. right. So, so Anna Sampson has left a comment on our Facebook live. She says, speak on it. It's okay to have a preference, but it's still a woman's choice. Yeah. But we can't even get men to agree to that on abortion. So why are we surprised about this reaction? Agreed, Anna. Agreed. It is a woman, a woman's choice, and I do not think it's a man's, especially, especially if it's not that woman's man's, mm-hmm. you know, business to even comment on that. But another thing that had me absolutely outraged was last week when, or about about ten days ago by now, when Bill Maher dropped the N word. Mm-hmm. On his show, Real Time with Bill Maher, HBO. Um, I wrote a piece about it. It's called Dear Black People, Stop Defending Bill Maher. You can check that out on blackenterprise.com. I will not. And I, you did. You, you shared did. it. <laughs> and you shared it, Stanley. Damn. And, you know, so Alyssa and I last week, if you guys heard it, we had a, a semi-debate because Alyssa was saying that, you know, Bill Maher should not be fired. What he said was wrong. But he should not be fired. I said he should be fired because he needs to suffer real consequences. Uh, The N-word is a word that triggers a lot of pain. And him as a white privileged man, despite the fact that he's famous and a comedian, he does not ever earn the ability to do that. you saw the video of him saying it. Like, he was so proud of himself. Mm -hmm. He he was just like, it's a joke. After he said it, he was just like, it's a joke. I mean, like, he, he... Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, like, there was, like, a specific context in which he was saying it, but he was proud of himself for saying it. No, he definitely was. But I want to say, so, update. Last Friday, he came back on the show, and he invited Michael Eric Dyson. He also invited Ice Cube, and he also had Simone Sanders, who was one of the chief leaders on the Bernie Sanders campaign. Thank you, Stanley. Um, Talk about it. And I think their reactions were brilliant. Michael Mm -hmm. Eric Dyson told him, like, what you he, he said, Bill Maher, you are an ally. You are someone who has called out people for racism. You are the person that said that denying racism is actually racist, and we consider you as that. But you using the N-word just shows that white people are still very complicit in white supremacy. Now, it's Michael Eric Dyson, so he used a lot of other words, <laughs> and I'm just simplifying what he said. Humification of a dubadabulation. <laughs> Praise God, himidation, white supremacy, beloved. Let me jump in real quick. He, Bill Maher has suffered no consequences. Until somebody puts hands on him or he gets suspended or fired, he is not forgiven. Right. Oh. If you say the N-word, I told, I've told this to Alyssa. I said, Alyssa, you're my homie. If you say the N-word and I have black folks around and they put hands on you, sorry, you deserve that. You know Bill, she would never say the N-word, though. She, she wouldn't say the N-word, but, like, you know, still. You, sometimes <laughs> you got to let your white friends know. And Bill Maher, somebody should slap the taste out of his mouth because he's not sorry. He said it before. He's also said disrespectful things about Muslim people. Yeah, right. All the so, time. And then he has Milo um, dirty child molester on, Milo, on the show. Yeah. yeah. So, no. he Because Ice Cube talked a little aggressively to him and Michael, D- Michael Eric Dyson used a couple of big words, no. Slap the taste out of his mouth, suspend him for two weeks, or fire him. If one of those three things does not happen, he has not been held accountable. Jackie? Yeah. I mean, I can't say it any better than Stanley just said it. Like, he has suffered no repercussions from this. And, I mean, he you can't say that word. Like, you are a white man 
it doesn't matter like what your relationship is with people of color. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's no circumstance where you could. There's like that um, Chris Rock joke about like when white people can say the n-word and it's like at christmas oh, morning yeah. <laughs> like from like 3 to 4 a.m or like 358 to like 4 a.m like like no like you just cannot ever use that word ever and it's not okay and he was so smug about it and like amused with himself or get you know like he thought that he made such a funny joke and i'm glad to see that there's been outrage over this but like i agree like but aside from sort of the outrage on social media and whatever and i know al franken canceled his appearance on the show he really hasn't felt any repercussions from his actions. I It doesn't appear. And so. let me just say to the white people who have been posting on my Twitter and on my Facebook trying to defend why can I say it? Yeah, they said that still? Yes, and I no. said it on Facebook and it's public so you can go see if any white person I know says that word I'm putting hands on you. Period. White people you have no right to use that word. I don't care how much of an ally you are. If you said an N-word in front of me you're going to be an ally with two black eyes. <laughs> Absolutely and honestly I respect white people and white allies even more who are down with the movement per se but no, have so much respect for our history and for the pain that black people feel that they won't they don't even want to like honestly i question the intent of people who want to say it why do you want to say it, it so badly it reminds because they can't right <laughs> because they can't and so they want what they can't have i mean it's like we see this in allyship all the time there was a great snl sketch that Alyssa made us watch i think last month where um there's all these guys there's a woman at a bar and a guy sits down next to her and he tells her what a feminist he is and um you know then asks her out and she says oh no i'm not interested sorry and he you know calls her the b word i don't know if i could say it on air or he calls her try it <laughs> he calls her like some not so nice words right and then another guy it. comes and sits down next to her and he's wearing like um a planned parenthood pin and he's talking about how he like drove all these women to the women's march in dc and he's such a feminist and then asks her out and she says no and he like says all these horrible things about her and calls her a slut and whatever else right um so it's like people want to appear as allies and they can do and say all the right things but that doesn't entitle you to you know a person to say a certain thing or a person's body or whatever it is like it, you you don't do these things so that you gain access to things that you are currently not allowed to have, right? You do it because it's right. Absolutely. And, like, even if you are an ally, if you're um, not LGBT, but you're straight, if you're LGBT, would you want to use, like, derogatory names, like, against LGBT folk? No. So I, I just don't get it. Well, can um, we, I want to shift gears now because yes. we don't have a lot of time left. I want to talk about slaves. So... <laughs> As you guys may or may not know, Hillary Clinton had a book called It Takes a Village where a whole bunch of um, Republicans made fun of her because she said it takes a village to raise a family. And in the book, she talks about when her husband was governor of Arkansas and she moved in there and they had prison workers as the servants there. And she said, you know, at first it was a little jarring to me because I had worked like help people who are incarcerated and unfairly incarcerated, but we got used to it. And that the people who had been convicted of murder who was work working in a house ended up being some of the best people they had met. This spurred a lot of frustration and anger from the progressive left who said that Hillary was a slave worker and she can't call herself a progressive leader because of this. And I had a lot of thoughts about this, but I want to get no. to you guys first. So No, no, you share yours first. So Selena wants me to share my thoughts first. So let me let me let me start with this. I'm not apologizing for anything that Hillary Clinton did at that time or for her having um, people who are incarcerated working in in her home in Arkansas. 
You know, that was pretty freaking stupid. What I'm going to say is that if you're going to be mad at that, you should be mad at the entire institution of prison that has prisoners work or incarcerated people working for literally cents an hour. Um, one of my um, good friend, the former pastor, Darren Ferguson, he was making a dollar an hour as an executive assistant while he was in prison. I had another friend who was making 55 cents an hour while he was in prison. So this kind of labor is not just magical. And it's not just like something that just popped up recently in new Orleans. When Alyssa and I talked about the failing public defender industry in America, one of the things we mentioned was in new Orleans, prison workers work in the state Capitol. They do all the work there for pennies on the dollar. Mm -hmm. So, all of a sudden, I saw these people being outraged about it, and I felt that it wasn't really outraged about these prisoners. It was because they hate Hillary, and they want another reason to beat her up, which I think is, A, sexist, and B, just weak. Shut up. I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted about that because, obviously, I understand the outrage, especially if she said it in a way that may have came across a little too relaxed. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how, how are you at? What's the tone of you just being you know so forward with you having black prison labor uh you, you know under your domain so the way that she said it was that this is like from what i was just said in the book from what i'm told this is what they've been doing for years now it was the norm it wasn't something strange i wasn't used to it but i didn't want to kind of like ruffle the waters we had just gotten there and then right. after a while like he well, and I kinda... yeah and again she wasn't like and correct me if I'm wrong, it wasn't like she was outwardly and outrageously condemning it, right? Or yeah. criticizing right. it and saying like, you know what, guys, I had an awakening moment. This was horrible. It's, it sounds kind of matter of fact. Right. And the thing is for Hillary Clinton, who, you know, at during her campaign tried to proposition herself as an ally, mm -hmm. it just never came across like that. It, she seems very inauthentic and right, she seems very like blinded by her white privilege. And I think that this, again, just further demonstrates that. And I understand the outrage. I also understand Stanley's point that the larger institution is what we should be upset about. We should be upset about the 13th Amendment itself, which legalizes state slavery in prison. That's the larger issue here. But I mean, it goes both ways. So I once again, I'm going to push back on this one more time because this is in 1985. Who was on the on the tip of her nose of this issue? No, I said the way she is addressing it now. No, she hasn't addressed it. They got it from her old book from the 1980s. Oh, this book was written in the 80s. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I I think people are allowed to feel outraged by this. I don't disagree, but I do agree with what Stanley's saying that I think a lot of people are using it and sort of like tokenizing this experience because they hate Hillary, not because they actually care. Although I think a lot of people were outraged by this we're right to be outraged by this, right? Like, it is outrageous. Um, but I, I think that there are people who, to Stanley's point, would never care about this issue, but because it was Hillary Clinton, now all of a sudden this is, like, their top talking point. Well, hooray to them, because they brought this issue into headlining yeah, news. Right, right. No, because they don't. <laughs> like, the, the, no. When, pe when people are saying Hillary can't call herself progressive because of this, it is not bringing the issue to the forefront. It is bashing Hillary. Now, if you're saying, this is horrible, I did not know this, disappointed in Hillary doing for doing this, what can we do to stop it? That's different. That's not what people are doing. You don't I think that there's anybody having those conversations, Oh, there's too? definitely people having those conversations, but the, big, the, like, the energy you're seeing in the air is right. coming from Bernie bros and people oh. who hate Hillary Clinton or, quote-unquote, the establishment Dems, and they're going, it's just another 
like button to attack Democrats on. Well, this happens a lot, and we talked about this earlier this week, that you, sometimes we'll see when the left messes up that um, people who are not on the left will tokenize their issues and say, oh, look at how you know they claim to be the party of uh, political correctness, yet here's what they're doing, and so how outrageous is that? And sort of like use it as leverage against them, right? So I... Like I said before, it's outrageous and people have the right to feel outraged about this. But I think a lot of the outrage that we're hearing from are from people who are just using it as leverage against Hillary, not because they actually care. Absolutely, guys. And I just wanted to add on that we are actually celebrating the 50th year anniversary of the case of Loving versus Virginia. That was the United States Supreme Court case that ruled uh, that mixed race marriages were no longer unconstitutional so that was another story that i definitely wanted to share again is loving versus virginia a great movie film came so out i haven't seen it Did because i i know i'll cry the whole time and no, I the movie Loving, right? Yes, it came out yes, last year. Yes, yeah, it did. I need, to, I need to see it, but I know I'll cry the whole time. No, absolutely, guys. And, you know, I mean, it just goes to show that a lot of progress has been made in our country, obviously, but there's still a lot more. And, you know, to the point that we were, you know, to the point about Hillary Clinton, um, not being as woke as she could or should have been maybe in the 80s when she was, was using, utilizing black prison labor, um, it just shows that, it starts with our leaders. Like when it comes to progress, we definitely need our leaders to acknowledge, recognize, and then definitely try to do better. That I don't goes to Hillary Clinton. That leaders, though. I, really. I mean, I agree that we need that from our leaders, but I think it starts from the ground up. I think that there needs to be. I mean, I believe in the power of grassroots, right? And I think that if there is a groundswell for something important, that people have the ability to influence their leaders. We can't just sit around and expect our leaders to do the right thing without our pressure. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree to that. So, guys, we do have to go on a quick break. Before we do, I just want to give you some breaking news. Jeff Sessions will be speaking in a public hearing. When? That's not breaking. Yeah, that happened today. I feel like I knew that since yesterday. I'm sorry. But thank you, Stanley, for sharing that. I try to help. Stanley got that Black Enterprise news. (laughs) Stop it. Looks like I played the wrong song, guys. (laughs) You guys keep talking while I change the song. Yeah. No, okay, no. So, yeah, about the Jeff Sessions story. I, I So, I, I forgot when it, that news actually broke, but um, it's definitely breaking because this Tuesday, Jeff Sessions is going to speak to the Senate Intelligence Committee right. about Russiagate, right? And this is something that I think Jeff Sessions uh, notoriously stays away from. Like he, he did himself right. from speaking on about Russia right absolutely and like I don't think like I'm actually surprised that if he really does go to the session and gives this testimony I will be shocked I will be absolutely shocked well he and Donald Trump are beefing right now and he's offered to resign three times so it might be spice it it might be spicy segregationist oops I mean session so anyways guys we're gonna go on a break and I'm gonna try for a song this time and let's hope it's not one of those spicy songs Staley's finally done. All right, guys. So this is the voice we heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlan. Again, my name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Stanley Fritz, who is singing and pretending to be Puerto Rican today, and Jackie Cohen. Guys, we just wrapped up a great conversation about the James Comey trial. Uh, then we had the news roundup, and we talked about Amber Rose's pubic hair, a conversation I would love to continue to have. I'm but, good. <laughs> but we had to switch gears. Pubic hairs matter, Selena. They do. It does. It does. All no right. justice, no pubes, Jackie. I, that was a great slogan. No comments. <laughs> <laughs> no comments? All right, fine. 
All right, so we're switching gears, guys. And why? It's because today is when tens of thousands of people are marching down Fifth Avenue in Manhattan to celebrate their heritage as proud Puerto Ricans. For decades, the National Puerto Rican Day Parade has been a festive time in New York City to dance, to sing, to wave Puerto Rican flags in the air. But this year, however, the parade has been a center of debate and controversy because the organizers of the parade initially decided to honor Oscar Lopez Rivera. Now, Oscar Lopez Rivera is a Puerto Rican activist. He is also a former leader of the militant Puerto Rican nationalist group Armed Forces of National Liberation, a.k.a. F.A.L.N. And he spent... 35 years in prison and he was in solitary confinement for over a decade. Mm. Uh, in one report uh, I was watching an interview and I think he said that he was awakened every 30 minutes. I mean he was tortured. Oh yeah, on Democracy Now! I saw yep. that interview. Yeah. Absolutely. He was he was tortured and why? Because of his involvement with FALN, this group which was responsible for bombings that killed and maimed dozens of people in the 1970s and the 1980s. So although Oscar Lopez Rivera was never charged with any specific bombings, he was convicted of seditious conspiracy. And he spent 35 years in prison. Last month, though, all hail President Obama, he commuted his sentence um, and he was released. Well, he President Obama commuted his sentence earlier this year, Whoa. and then Oscar yeah. Lopez Rivera was released last month. And then, upon his release, he was invited to be honored at the Puerto Rican Day Parade. He was supposed to accept the title of National Freedom Hero. But as soon as that was announced, Goya dropped their sponsorship. The New York Yankees dropped out the parade. Governor Cuomo said, I'm not going to march. The police, a uh, number of police groups said they're not going to march. AT&T, JetBlue, I mean, a number of corporate sponsors just started pulling out left and right because they said Oscar Lopez Rivera is a terrorist and he is unrepentant and he is responsible for the deaths of people. <sighs> that was a lot. That was a mouthful. But on the other hand, other people are saying, no, Oscar Lopez Rivera should be regarded as a hero. He is a freedom fighter. He is our, he is the Puerto Rican Nelson Mandela because he decided to fight for independence of Puerto Rico, a territory that has been colonized uh, for decades, for centuries, over a century, and he has been fighting for their independence. So today on the show, we are going to have a conversation around Oscar Lopez Rivera. We are going to question, was he a patriot for Puerto Rico's independence, or should we condemn him as a terrorist, which is what's been happening in a lot of mainstream news sources. We're also going to talk about the fact that today, as Puerto Ricans are celebrating their heritage in the parade, Puerto Ricans on the island, they're actually going to the polls today to cast votes on whether Puerto Rico should become a U.S. state an independent nation or continue as a territory and to can help to help us with this conversation we have a very special guest on the line his name is julio ricardo varela he is the digital media director for futuro media he is also the co-host of in the thick julio is also the founder of latinorebels.com this is one of the top u.s latino media sites in the world uh, he's also a native of puerto rico he spent his childhood in San Juan and also the Bronx. And he graduated from Harvard College. On top of that, he used to work for the Boston Globe. Welcome to the show, Julio. Welcome. I am so excited. Selena, you totally, like, summarized the entire issue so well. 
Harlem in the house with Futuro Media Group. We're on 125th and St. Nicholas, so I'm so excited to be here with you guys because that's the way that's the way we roll. Absolutely, Julio. We are very excited to have you uh, on the show as well. So, so Julio, um, you know, I, thank you so much for uh, just giving me some some kudos on the summary no, I gave. You, you, you totally. Sum- I mean, this is so complicated, Selena and Stanley. Like, you, I, I got to give you guys props because you definitely did your homework, and that 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 to me means a lot. So, you know, shout out to you guys, and I'm really really happy to be on the show. Thank you so much, Julio. So, we're gonna, so Stanley's hating in the background. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's like, but uh, who's singing Mark Anthony? That that was good too, man. I'm I'm down with that. I mean, I, we can just sing Mark Anthony for the next half hour, and that would be good. It'd be so much more enjoyable. I'm anyway. definitely down for that. Stanley said he's down no, for singing we Mark Anthony. No, but we're excited to have this conversation. Absolutely, and I want to start the conversation by just asking you, Julio: Is Oscar Lopez Rivera a terrorist or a hero? Oh, that is the question of the day. Look, listen, you know, we at Latino USA, you know, Maria Hinojosa, founder of Futuro Media Group, we're based in Harlem. We did a one-hour show earlier this year around the time that President Obama commuted Oscar Lopez Rivera's sentence on NPR, and we asked the very same question, right? You know, in the eyes of, of some people, Oscar Lopez Rivera is a national hero. In the eyes of other people, he's considered a quote-unquote terrorist. But what people are losing context in all this is, and you're seeing it a lot. I actually saw something. I don't know. I was actually like uh, this weekend I was having dinner and, and Fox News was up on the screen and they spent 15 minutes on Oscar Lopez Rivera about this whole parade controversy. And they were talking to Joseph Connor, who, whose father died in the Francis Tavern. And they, it was so wonderful. They, they were trying to paint Puerto Rico as sort of this, like, because Oscar Lopez, like, all of, like Oscar Lopez Rivera acted this way on his own. And people have forgotten for, for decades, for, I mean, at least 60 years, how the nationalist movement in Puerto Rico was pretty much um, part, you know, and investigated by the FBI, harassed, people were killed. So there was, you know, I... You know, in the 40s and the 50s, a lot of nationalists in Puerto Rico were, were, were terrorized by the U.S. government. So one of the things that's missing in this entire conversation is the context of why there is an Oscar Lopez Rivera in this world, right? And so what you're seeing from, like, the New York Post, um, mostly conservative media, is that you're only getting one side of the picture. And, you know, violence breeds reaction to, you know, breeds reaction. So whether or not you agree on where, wherever you stand on Oscar Lopez Rivera, what's being, what's being ignored in this conversation is why did someone like Oscar Lopez Rivera, who was a Vietnam, people forget, he went to Vietnam in the 60s. He, was, he, he, he got a medal for fighting in Vietnam, and he came back to Chicago, right? He came back to Chicago and saw how marginalized the Puerto Rican community was in Humboldt Park in Chicago. And he started doing a lot of things to try to advance the Puerto Rican community. So, for example, I don't think a lot of people know that he discovered a school. He started a school in Humboldt Park that is still there today, Roberto Clemente High School, where you see that he he wanted Puerto Ricans to actually be educated. And and so, you know, they're not telling you that, right? 
Now, I am, you know, as a journalist, I, I tell people, go to Latina USA, listen to the one hour documentary that we did, produced by Marlon Bishop, Maria Hinojosa. It's very complicated, but I think what you're seeing in the last couple of weeks is an oversimplification of what it is to be a terrorist. Because I actually believe, and I don't know how you guys feel, but terrorism, the definition of terrorism, has changed so much in America. Absolutely, Julio. Guys, if you are just tuning in, we have on the line with us Julio Ricardo Varela, and he is one of the hosts of In the Thick. We are having a conversation about Oscar Lopez Rivera and why this Puerto Rican activist is considered as both a terrorist and a hero. And one of the things that you really touched upon, Julio, was the fact that he was he has been fighting for independence for Puerto Rico for decades, almost by any means necessary and this is something that Malcolm X did this is something that Nelson Mandela did this is something that people oppressed people around the world have done and I think that with Oscar Lopez Rivera, like the controversy is because he he uh, his group F A L N was involved with a number of bombings, but he said he was doing it to sort of bring more attention around what was happening. It was not he never intended for anyone to die. That's not what they were doing this for. It was sort of like again an any means necessary well, type of uh, mentality. Yeah, I was listening to a commentary about this whole issue and uh, sort of a, in a historical context and. I I think that there's an important point to be made. Not that, you know, I'm saying that it's great to go and bomb a building or, you know, harm somebody, but um, that in the 70s and 80s, I mean, there were many groups doing this kind of this kind of action, right? Between the FLAN or the Weather Underground, like there were like um, the way that I heard this explained was like if, you know, a bombing in a city like Chicago or New York would be front page news today, it was like buried deep within the paper in the 70s, right? Because it was a much more frequent occurrence. Um, And I mean, at the end of the day, right, correct me if I'm wrong, but there is no real, there was no evidence proving that he had anything to do with the bombing, right? That is true. Yeah, and I just want to jump in for a second and kind of like really just reemphasize what um, Julio was saying is these people didn't just become violent out of nowhere. They didn't just say one day, hey, we're going to start, you know, like blowing places up or having this militant approach. Something happened. And if we know our government well, it was probably started from the government side. The same way the government infiltrated the Young Lords, the same way they infiltrated the Black Panthers and the people in the civil rights movement. And they attacked people and they sent other people to do damage to them and gave death threats. You don't just become that way out of nowhere. These people want liberation and the government probably gave them aggression and, and just all kinds of like violence. So we should really think about those things because, you know, Oscar Lopez didn't wake up one day and say, hey, let me help people make bombs. Absolutely. And I want to get Julio's uh, just comments and reaction to that. And, And just the conversation around, you know, what do you really expect the oppressed to do when it when oppression turns into decades and turns into centuries? How else are they supposed to fight for freedom? Like, I don't justify any type of violence whatsoever. But again, I also understand why this is happening. Julio? Break it down. Let me break it down a little bit, because I don't even think a lot of people in the, in the United States or even the world realize that the United States military bombed Puerto Rico in, in the 50s during the nationalist. Like, there were bombers, right? They, they, they sent planes. So you couldn't fly a Puerto Rican flag in Puerto Rico from, like, the 30s to the 50s. It was against the law. To, to express your pride for Puerto Rico. The nationalist movement in Puerto Rico, you, it really, it's like, look at the Council Pro, like they were part of the FBI. The FBI 
the funny thing, people talk about how the FBI investigated all these Puerto Ricans in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. I have family members where they had folders. They're called cachetas, right, in Spanish. They're called folders where they would investigate these people for being, you know, for being communist sympathizers or nationalist sympathizers, like that they were anti-American. You need to remember the context of all this. Remember Cuba, okay? The Cuban Revolution happened in 1959, right? There is no, you know, it is not a coincidence that Puerto Rico became a military base for the United States in the Cold War. So anyone that spoke out against U.S. imperialism or U.S. intervention, and the biggest one, the biggest voice was Pedro Albizu Campos, and there's plenty you know, the biggest nationalist leader, in, you know, like he is a legend in Puerto Rico. There's plenty of documentation that there was radiation uh, taken against him in, 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 when he was in prison, that he was basically terrorized himself. So the nationalist movement, which is called the independence movement now, has always been under the eyes of the U.S. government. Now, I'm not for anything as a journalist, I look at this, and I understand the context. Right? I, I can understand why people think, especially in New York, especially in a post-9-11 world with Oscar Lopez Rivera, that they're, they're saying, well, why is he being honored? You know what? The IRA was honored in New York in the 80s. I'm not justifying it, but that was the reality. Look it up. St. Patrick's Day, Jerry Adams in the 90s. The IRA would send guys... So the IRA was basically doing the same thing in England as the FALN was doing in the United States. You know, you are absolutely right, Julio, and I just wanted to add on that on March 21st, 1937, the U.S. government ordered police officers to open fire on peaceful people in Puerto Rico who were just in a parade. So, and they killed 19 civilians. Uh, also, two policemen were also killed in this attack, and more than 200 people were wounded. So, what Julio, you know, when you provide that, that context and that history, uh, it's important because we have to understand all of the travesties that are happening to these people and it's only so much that you can kick a horse before it kicks back i mean it just is what it is on that note we do have to take a quick break but don't go anywhere we will continue the conversation about puerto rico and independence right here on let your voice be heard We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. Shout out to Greg with the Underdog Shows coming up next. And don't forget, when you hit the Hookah Lounge on 157th and Broadway, talk to Pepe because he has all the Dominican trap music you could ever ask for and the mint and watermelon hookah, which goes easy. Thank you for that, Stanley. So we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard. We're having a conversation about Oscar Lopez Rivera. Um, We are speaking to Julio Ricardo Varela, and I know that Jackie had a question or a comment. Well, I have a comment, sort of a two-part critique on sort of the hypocrisy we're seeing from some folks about this issue, about the parade today and and the broader issue. So um, something of note that I read was that, you know, um, Julio brought up that in 1983 in the um, 
St. Patrick's Day parade, um, there was somebody who marched from the IRA, and Governor, then Governor Cuomo, Mario Cuomo, marched in that parade. Um, and it's speculated because he needed support from Irish Americans in his election. So he willingly marched in that parade. Governor Andrew Cuomo, his son, our current governor, is not marching in today's parade. He withdrew his, his support. Of, what a surprise. What a surprise. Um, so that I thought was interesting. Um, I Yeah. No, I just have a very basic philosophy when it comes to people of color and history lessons. When white people don't like them, that usually means that they did something good. (laughs) That's just my basic philosophy. Yeah. Um, So something else that I think is interesting. I, this weekend, was in a heated debate with somebody who watches a lot of Fox News who was asking me about this and my thoughts about this. And I was sort of shocked that they were even thinking about Puerto Rico in the first place and that they had any kind of opinions about the matter because um, Fox News has been covering this heavily. And I think that this issue is the... It's just like quintessential Fox News, right? They ignore the larger history. They talk about this guy as being a terrorist. They talk about the people who died and they ignore the years of oppression in Puerto Rico and the treatment of Puerto Ricans by the U.S. government. Um, And, you know, it's just it's packaged in this very convenient way of saying you should be afraid the you know new yorkers are honoring this man who took lives right which isn't even necessarily true right and i i don't know it's it's just so convenient the way that they package it into this fearful gift for the right wing that watches their their programming. Well, I want to say that there was actually a boycott campaign that was being uh, organized by a right wing conservative group in Washington, D.C. It's called the Media Research Center. And this group actually gives a uh, receives funding uh, from donors that are both close to President Tripp. President Trump and Brett Bart News. So yes, there Breitbart. is Brett Bart. Thank you, Stanley. There is a concerted effort on the right to demonize Oscar Oscar Lopez Rivera. So you know what we're saying and right. what we're seeing on uh, Fox News has been planned and curated. Uh, and I want to get Julio back into the conversation. One of the things that people need to and I've I've done a lot of reporting for Latino USA about this issue, and I've been covering this since like early May. And it's really important to make this point. I understand that the Media Research Center, like, amplified the boycott. That's no question, right? But this this boycott, this push, actually started on social media by a couple of, like, just Puerto Ricans who are not New York, who are uh, statehood proponents. They created a petition in early May, and it just kind of took off, right? And what's really interesting about all this is that... um, I don't think a lot of people realize in 2014, and even in, I believe later in 2015, the Puerto Rican Day, the board of the Puerto Rican Day Parade, actually honored Oscar Lopez Rivera to push for his commutation. So a lot of these people that are speaking now, it's particularly the governor of Puerto Rico, Ricardo he actually wrote a letter in November last year to President Obama when he just when when Rosselló just became the governor, asking to release Oscar Lopez Rivera. And actually saying that, like, you know, his crimes were nonviolent. So to see sort of this shift, particularly by a more conservative pro-statehood movement, to be like, all of a sudden this thing took off, um, yeah, there are questions about it. It's become a bigger thing. The biggest point here is, is exactly it. You're looking at Puerto Rico in a vacuum. Right? You're looking at it in a vacuum. No one knows what goes on. People don't care about Puerto Rico. This is just juicy for Fox News. I, I'm going to tell you right now, I'll put $100 on this. If this was the Irish cause, the Irish cause in New York, and I, and I can say to this, 
I grew up. I grew up in Puerto Rico, and I grew up in the Bronx. My grandfather um, on the Italian side was a congressman for the for New York City. Mario Biaggi was the biggest proponent of the Irish cause in the seventies. The Irish cause in New York has always been romanticized. We cannot deny that as New Yorkers. It's always been. I lived in the Bainbridge section in, in the Bronx, and I remember that. We're all like someone like Bobby Sands. All these guys were revered. Yes. You know what, uh, Julio, you said something that really resonated with me. You said people don't care about Puerto Rico. And, you know, we've covered this uh, Puerto Rico, the, the debt crisis on this show a few times as well. Uh, and we know that it's like $73 billion in debt. Uh, Puerto Rico also has one of the highest uh, poverty rates. It's triple the poverty rate of the United States. And um, it also has a crisis of unemployment, mental illness, incarceration, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like we we don't care. As privileged America as Puerto Rico is someplace, it's just a tourist destination that we may visit once or twice a year. But there are real travesties going on in that country. I mean, excuse me, that island so much that millions of Puerto Ricans are coming to the states. Um, and, and you know what? And it brings me to say that. On this day, as I mentioned in my introduction, people in Puerto Rico are going to the polls and they are going to vote if they want to be a state, if they want to be independent or if they want to continue to be a territory. But back in 2012, 61 percent of people in Puerto Rico voted for statehood. My question is, we see what's going on in Puerto Rico. We see the uh, the, the travesty and the devastation. Um, what are your thoughts over this debate between statehood versus the independent uh, versus independence in Puerto Rico. All right. Well, first of all, speaking as a Puerto Rican journalist who has covered this since I was like maybe in my diapers, like I've, I've covered this issue since I was a kid. Um, this is all pure politics. This is how people. It's a distraction. The status game is a distraction because in the end, and this is exactly. I wrote this for Latino USA two weeks ago. The Department of Justice was supposed to approve the language of this plebiscite. They were supposed to approve this vote. This has no federal support. So what's happening today on the island is that you have the pro-statehood movement trying to force-feed a plebiscite where, to be honest with you, how do I best explain it? It's like saying if you had something in New York and half the population decided not to vote for it, does it really reflect what that population is voting for, that's what's happening in Puerto Rico today. Today, literally today, it's like the statehood party is trying to push this, understanding that the United States federal government does not care about what's going on. And and you, I've talked to the Department of Justice. They, they are, they're kind of like, why are you doing this now? So there's a lot of politics going on, and there's a lot of questions as to, like, here's the thing, how do I put this? Every politician in, in Puerto Rico knows that the second Sunday in New York City has always been the Puerto Rican Day Parade. That's like, it's been going on for 60 years. There is no, I mean, everyone knows that. So it, is it a coincidence that the plebiscite is happening on the same day as the Puerto Rican Day Parade? Is it a coincidence that all of a sudden you have this push against Oscar Lopez Rivera? I don't know. Because I, I don't. I don't think that you are going on the wrong path at all, to, to be honest with you. I think that like what it seems like that they're doing is just trying to gaslight people so they can kind of just brush this under the rug. 
I was actually having a conversation with a friend last weekend about Puerto Rico in particular, and we were talking about what would, if I was president, what would my foreign policy plan be? And we brought up the conversation, and you guys can feel free to laugh at me, of global reparations. Mm-hmm. So, and, and like, and focusing mostly on Puerto Rico at the moment, because that's what, how the conversation started, we were saying not only must you, like, allow Puerto Rico to be an independent nation, which it has every right to be, but you also have to reimburse them for years of colonialization, imperialism, and military force. And, of course, we can't forget the fact that American scientists and the government was going to Puerto Rico and sterilizing Puerto Rican women. So there's billions of dollars that we have to pay back to them and to other countries if we really want to do right by these spaces. But if there were even a possibility, like, do you, would you even be for it? If there was a possibility of independence, here's the problem that's going on right now. What, what I say is that Puerto Ricans have gotten so caught up in the policy. I have actually called it a colonial distraction. We're our worst enemy. And I say this all the time, and I, you know, I take off my journalist hat for a second, and I put on my Puerto Rican hat. As a Puerto Rican who is, you know, I've lived close to five decades, we, have, we, are, the, we are our own worst enemy. They, the, the United States system, the territorial system, has created such a divide and conquer in the community, not only on the island, but you can see what's happened with Oscar Lopez Rivera between New York and San Juan. Like, we are not in it together. We're not putting Puerto Rico first. So what's happened is that we've created all these camps that snipe at each other. We're, we're incredibly good. People say that in Puerto Rico, the national pastime is baseball. No, the national pastime in Puerto Rico is cutting everyone down. Like, we are so good at doing that. And we, we, it's because we've, we've, we're afraid. I think there's, it's inherently, when you've been a colony for 120 years, and you now are talking about three or four generations of people. And, and let's remind everyone, we were a colony before the United States, too. Like, we've been a colony since, like, 14, in the 1490s, since the, the late 15th century. So you've created a people that have been ingrained colonially. And it's really hard to have serious, uncomfortable conversations, because I try to have them with a lot of people. I talk to politicians all the time. They don't want to have the conversation. They still want to kind of settle. And there's the one thing that I'm seeing in this entire conversation with Lopez Rivera, with the plebiscite, is that there's an awakening about Puerto Rico. So I'm kind of glad that Fox News is covering them, is covering Puerto Rico, because at least we're on the radar. You know, it might not be the right coverage, but it might allow for Puerto Rican voices to start showing up on national television and start going, hey, you got this wrong, and we're going to take over our destiny. Now, the problem with the independence movement in Puerto Rico, and, I, and, I, and I've been a very critical of the independence movement in Puerto Rico, is that there's still this, this romanticism about still being stuck in sort of like a time that I believe sort of this revolutionary movement has moved beyond the 1960s. What the Puerto, R- what the Puerto Rican independence movement needs to do right now in 2017 is say it's exactly what you're saying, Stanley. It's like, hey, we have not made money. We have not progressed. The United States has owned, literally owned us. The sugar barons, the Wall Street barons, have literally owned us. This is why we're in debt. Because you, the United States has allowed, and Puerto Rico's political class, has allowed for this debt to happen. And the Puerto Ricans need to start looking at Puerto Rico and be like, we can take control of our own destiny. There's plenty of voices out there, but the problem is because we're so mediocre as politicians, as leaders, is that we're still in the same, like, 
Independence only gets 4% in the plebiscite. Statehood is like what we want. And we're not having honest conversations. And then anyone who tries to have this honest conversation, believe me, guys, I have tried to talk to the government of Puerto Rico in the last week. I have tried to talk to pro-statehood leaders. They don't want to talk. They're avoiding the situation. And unless we start looking at each other as Puerto Ricans and say, hey, you know what? This hasn't been working. We're never going to get to wherever. Um, you know, Julio, unfortunately, we have Preach. to... Yes, thank yeah. you for... Um just you know just keeping it real with us we appreciate that and you know we, we want to have this conversation we're so happy to have you here to have it and before we wrap up the conversation you know i, I want to just ask you um your thoughts on colonialism in in puerto rico um which you were speaking about because oscar uh, lopez rivera said that colonialism is one of the biggest crimes that um is happening in puerto rico and that puerto ricans should not tolerate that you know even though there's so much focus on if he's a criminal if he's a terrorist He's saying this is where the real focus should be. Is there any possible chance that Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico could be decolonized, you think, in your lifetime, in our lifetimes? Oh, my God. I, that's a great question. You know, decolon, what does decolonization mean? One of the things that I'm seeing, and this is the only thing that gives me hope, and, you know, someone like Oscar Lopez Rivera says that, and someone like the statehood governor, Ricardo Rosselló, says the same thing. Both of them agree that Puerto Rico needs to be decolonized. There's a lot more people who think that the current Commonwealth situation is just neocolonialism, right? That is the truth. That is the only thing that is keeping any semblance of any commonality amongst Puerto Ricans alive. One of the things now, where that goes, you know, I personally think right now the Puerto Rican statehood movement has it wrong. Because if they think... The Trump administration is going to be like, oh, you voted for statehood. Yes, you are. Come on, Spanish-speaking, you know, island. Come be part of the United States. We're going to pay for more federal money. Like, that's just like la-la land right now. I'm sorry. It's like there's plenty of Republicans out there. There's plenty of conservatives who are actually bigger independent proponents for Puerto Rico than ever before. People need to look that up. And we as Puerto Ricans have to have that conversation. We have to say that neocolonialism has ruined this, ruined this island. This is the product of what we are. And unless we put our political differences aside, we're, you, know, unless, you know, my hope is that one day Oscar Lopez Rivera, someone like Oscar Lopez Rivera, and the governor of Puerto Rico actually have that type of serious conversation. And I, as a journalist, I will keep pushing that because I know that that is the truth. Julio, how can our listeners listen to your show or contact you if they want to know more information, get more information about this? Uh, you got to add in the thick, add in the thick show at Latino USA. Follow me at Julito 77. I'm talking about this all the time. Go Harlem. Harlem in the house. Harlem is the best. This is why we're, that's why the Futuro Mini Group is in Harlem with Betty Hinojosa. And, and we keep it real. We keep it real. Yes, and you are the best. Thank you so much again, Julio, for joining us here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. I just want to close uh, this conversation out by, by saying a lot is at stake here. And I think those of us who our activists, our, our organizers care about justice. We need to care about the justice and the dignity of Puerto Rico, and we need to get a clear understanding of what is happening. Like Julio pointed out, it's complex. It's nuanced. This island has been colonized for over 120 years, and you have people in, well, a majority of the people 
on this island who want statehood but then you have freedom fighters like Oscar Lopez Rivera who's like no we want independence and then you have other people who like Stanley would call himself an ally and say we should be fighting for global reparations for this island we have extractive resources their money uh, their schools we see the crisis that's happening we also whitewash their history I mean some of the things that Oscar Lopez Rivera talked about uh, in this interview he did with Democracy Now! was how he was told that Christopher Columbus was a hero and he never told a lie. So literally they were indoctrinating students, young people on Puerto Rico to believe this whitewash history. It's not true. And there's so much um, that Puerto Rico contributes to our world with the culture, uh, the cuisine. You know, I had a chance to visit the island two times and I absolutely, I fell in love with it because of the people, the resilience that they have. There's so much to offer and it would be a travesty if we as global citizens, we as, you know, people who fight for justice would just let this island go to ruin. We cannot do that, and we should not do that. That's why we have to continue to have this conversation, and we need to continue to stand for the people that stand for Puerto Rico, like Oscar Lopez Rivera. And on that note, we do have to close the segment out, but don't go anywhere because Stanley's coming back with the quickie on why the GOP is trying to replace Dodd Frank. But this song is so letty. All right, guys, I got to stop playing. <laughs> we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. And because Alyssa is gone, it is Stanley Fritz in the studio with Selena Hill and, of course, the immaculately lame Jackie what? Cohen. She thought I was giving her a compliment. And we just I... finished a conversation about Oscar Lopez Rivera, who was in jail for 35 years for bombings that took place in the 1970s in in regards to Puerto Rican liberation, he was supposed to be honored at the Puerto Rican Day Parade, but then, of course, white folks got angry, and they protested, and he did not do it. We had a great conversation with Julio Ricardo Verala from the, um, what's his name of the show again? In the Thick. From In the Thick, and he really schooled us on everything that's going on. I was very excited about that, and I felt very empowered. But now we are shifting gears and talking about, once again, the washed United States of America. This is the America that we live in. So while everyone was in front of their computers or on Twitter or on their TVs watching the James Comey hearing, the United States Congress decided that they wanted to do something very special. They wanted to pass a bill that would pretty much gut the Dodd-Frank Act of 2010. Are you wondering what that is? Okay, let's take a quick little rewind back in 2007 one day you woke up Selena and I know because we were still in college excited about graduating to get jobs and you found out that Goldman Sachs had just went under and all of a sudden people were saying things like we are about to hit a great depression the jobs are being erased everywhere and people who were graduating in 2007 2008 and 2009 were all of a sudden like holy crap where are we going to work and you know what? It was as bad as they said. America at one point was losing 700,000 jobs a month. At least five banks went bankrupt. Millions of people lost their homes. And it was all because these big banks started buying up a whole bunch of bad mortgages, packaging them, and making money off of them. And while that was happening on the top end, on the bottom end, people were giving other people house mortgages with these things called subprime loans where the interest rates could jack up at any moment and you had to be absolutely not qualified. Some people didn't even have jobs and they got approved for loans for houses and when you don't have a job and you have a house and you have a mortgage, you usually lose that house and 
it caused our entire market to crash. Well, in 2010, after that happened, there was a bill passed called the Dodd-Frank Act, which pretty much was put in place to stop something like that from ever happening again. It made sure that big banks could not invest that kind of money into other places again. It also assured that big banks could not just be openly investing money unless they had certain parameters. You had to pass a certain test to show that you could cover your losses. You could not just be giving credit to anybody. They made it harder to get credit cards, to get mortgage loans, and they also stopped certain banks from being able to merge together. And along with that, they also built the banks out, but we're not going to talk about that part because who wants to hold the good banks accountable? Now, along with the Dodd-Frank Act, one of the things that came from that bill was the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Some of the money they took from that bill, they used it to create this bureau to help regular consumers because, as we know, we have places that sell products to Americans that are not good or they rip people off or they tell them they have this pill that can help you lose a thousand a thousand pounds in a week and then it makes them sick and then they go to sue and the company says, well, we're not accountable. They created this company, this organization, and since its inception in 2012 when it became active, it has retrieved or saved $12.9 billion for regular consumers. So that's your background. Now, on Thursday, Spicy Comey speaks. Congress votes to pass this Choice Act. And what it does, it allows banks to once again invest as much money as they want, even if they don't have the money to make up for it, which means that a bank can now invest your money into something. And if they lose it, you just lose your money too, boo-boo, because they don't have to have the money to cover it. And it also guts the funding for the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which has, among other things, gone after student loan companies like Sally Mae, who had been sending people harassing calls to get them to settle on unreasonable like settlement prices. It has also gone after payday loans, people who will give somebody a loan for a paycheck, and then a week later ask for their money back with interest rates as high as 120%. So... The CPFB, the CFPB, which is doing that kind of work, would be gutted in this. Congress voted on it anyway because, of course, they don't like it when poor people are doing well. And who benefits from this? Well, if you're a big banker, you definitely benefit. If you work at Goldman Sachs, you definitely bank benefit from this. If you sell stocks and trades to regular people, before you had to tell some, you couldn't sell somebody a stock that would help you out. You had to be objective. This bill says now you can sell people bad stocks if it makes you more money. So... That's what Republicans are doing. That's the bill they pushed. It's been passed in the House. Senate has to look at it, and it will probably pass in the Senate too, and then Donald Trump will sign it. So in case you guys are wondering what's been happening while we've been arguing about Comey, that's what's been happening. But guys, we do have to wrap this up. What a depressing way to end the show, Stanley. Have a great week, everyone. (laughs) Goodbye. Listen. Is that what's really going on? It's 2017, Selena. Like, this is exactly, listen, I know it sucks, but this is exactly what's going on. This is exactly what these people are doing. This is why Republicans are tolerating Donald Trump, because no Democrat in their right mind, Bernie Bros, Hillary would never sign off on this. Never in her life. This is what, this is why they won't impeach him. Because they right. can get things like this done. Right. So I know you're mad. Be upset. But now call your Congress member. Call No, call your senator now because it's too late for Congress. Yeah. Call your senator. Call Schumer. Call Jim Brand. Call whoever your senator is and say, do not let this bill pass at all. Because that's the only way you're going to stop it. But guys, we do have to let you go. We really do this time. Hopefully Greg and the underground team and the underdog team can give you some positive vibes as they <laughs> talk about the great things happening in the world. By the way, Greg has a lit shirt that says Black is Beautiful. I Smarter, love it. Close me out. Definitely, guys. So we just want to thank everyone for hanging out with us today. We thank you for your calls, your tweets, and your comments on the Facebook Live. We thank you to our special guest, Julio Ricardo Varida, who called in to talk about Oscar Lopez Rivera. Guys, if you love the show,